Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome in, everybody, to the Landry Football Podcast. I am Chris Landry, and we're glad to be with you. Uh, today was absent yesterday on the Scout's Eye Podcast due to um, just a little medical reasons. Doing a little bit better today, but uh, good to be back with you as we are um Talking to you here, breaking down the world of football from a uh, college in an NFL standpoint. Um, got a lot to get to today. Just uh, forgot here one of the mics. We're going to put that on here in a second. Um, well, we've got a lot to get to today. Uh, we're going to talk um, about free agency. We're going to take your questions, talk about the new league year. Um, so, a lot to get to today. But, um, as I mentioned, welcome to this Landry Football Podcast brought to you by the great folks at Radio Influence. We do have a lot to get to today. We're going to talk a little bit about the Deshaun Watson situation. Those of you have sent in some questions, how to deal with it, how to handle it, kind of the circumstances, what could happen. People want to know that. Some other questions um, about the new league year proposal uh, with uh, – in in terms of when you can hire coaches, things. Um, and then we're going to talk about that uh, along with some other stores, uh, other uh, stuff that we've got for you. A reminder, we've got all our free agent boards up on LandryFootball.com. Check it out. We're going to get through all the teams here quickly, but we've got all the positions. I'm going to also put up how players graded out in the NFL by position this year. So not just the free agents. As I always say, you have to be prepared with an evaluation of every player uh, in the league because you don't know who's going to become a free agent or who's on the trade market. So as you follow this free agent process as a pro football fan, uh, you want to know how a player graded out this past year, how he stacked up, what was his color grade. We're going to have that for you. And we do have the free agent uh, scouting reports and notes and the tiers as we head into free agency. But remember, it's an evolving process where some of these guys may be taken off the market due to a tag or a re-signing, and other guys may be added to the market. So, you know, it's not going to be uh, – it's accurate to the date that it's been published, um, but this is why you're going to want to combine that with the evaluation of the top players in the league by position. So check all of that at LandryFootball.com. Get the 
scouting uh, season analysis. Uh, got some things we're working on, too, I want to just mention to you, and then I want to get right into the discussions. But we're looking at a couple of things that we think are going to be real interesting, and I'm curious to see. want to run it by my listeners to see. I am looking into – we did something when we first started the website a few years ago that I wanted to rebrand a little bit, and it's called The War Room. Um, I confess that I don't like the term because I, particularly when, when it denotes the severity and the seriousness of war, but that's what people kind of refer to, um, the draft room and the meeting room and whatnot. So we're, are looking, as you know, you get a lot of inf- inside information as a member of LandryFootball.com. You get a lot of different things, but I'm thinking about putting together a newsletter package, an email newsletter package, um, call the war room, rebranding it uh, that way to, for those of you that might be interested in what I would call sensitive information. I'm not talking about salacious stuff about people's personal lives, but some information that you're, that I'm not comfortable putting out there necessarily, but to share privately through a, an exclusive group. Um, it may be a little pricey, but um, anyway, I'm looking to to do that <clears throat> and considering doing that. So look for that details on that, and and let me know if you'd be interested in that. Um, and we'll we'll go from there. Uh, also, um, looking at um, adding a scouting academy, as we've got so much requests there from folks that are interested in that side of the the business. But want to get into it and appreciate. We'll take your questions in the chat room today and. Uh, good morning, Kev. Really appreciate you uh, cheering us 100. Uh, remember that you can follow us if you're listening to this podcast. You can uh, watch us do this podcast live on Twitch TV. Uh, hey, uh, Rich, uh, hear you chiming in as well. We'll take your questions. But I want to – one thing that's been asked in different ways is what happens in the Deshaun Watson situation. And, you know, everyone will have a thought about – well, this is what will happen. That's what will happen. And let's trade him for this and that. There is a process that goes with this that I think is really important. And let's just take it from this standpoint. Let's take it from where we are because that's all we can do. Um, some things are water under the bridge, and you can't do anything about what's happened in the past. You've got a front office, which – has some components that are still there that were there last year and some new components, a head coach and a new GM. First of all, right now, there is no appetite inside the Texans war room to make a deal. Um, They don't want to trade. It is not going to be good if they have to trade him. It is, first of all, going to cost them an elite talent at quarterback and no real answer at quarterback. More on that in a minute and where maybe they could go to find that answer if they go down that path. But it's also um, going to cost them a huge, huge cap outlay uh, that's just going to gut them in terms of trying to build this team going forward. So they don't want to do it. I mean, it'll be 
$21.6 million of, of dead money um, if they trade Watson. So if you think about it, you got a $182 million cap. I think they've got like a $9 million carryover from last year. So if you do the math, 162, let's say 172 cap room to put a 70-man team, including draft choices, signing bonuses. It's not a lot. And remember, teams are down basically 25% of what the cap normally is. From a standpoint of every year you anticipate a 10% growth on the cap. Well, not only do we not have the 10% growth this year, we have a subtraction, a reduction of 15%. So you're about 25% down of operating expenses cap-wise and would you be able to do business. So you have some teams that still have plenty of cap room. So you'll still have some teams that will go out and sign guys. But I, I think that there's going to be, at least in some cases, more frugality than in normal years. Um, so this would take a hit. Again, $21.6 million of dead money. And you know what dead money is. It's that's that was his cap number with 21.6 million hit. If he's not on the team, you got accelerated bonuses that contributed. So it's a tough deal. They don't want to trade. If he digs in his heels and says, I'm not playing for you. And it becomes contentious. And some of this is hard. Everyone will make assumptions. Well, they don't get along in that. Well, we make some assumptions based upon what we've read, and it, we've read, and that there's some validity to that, no doubt. But we don't know the details unless you've been in the meeting. You don't quite know where things are in in terms of the the conversations, the communication, the lack thereof, whatever the case may be. If he digs his heels in. You, you've got to make a decision from an ownership standpoint. Are you willing to deal with the negativity that comes with the saga of Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be here? Um, how you deal with that? Most people are anti, in the city of Houston, anti-organization. And pro Deshaun Watson, from what I hear. Um, what can the team do? Well, they can basically say force him to stay. Um, how do you do that? Well, first of all, he's going to lose a lot of money. He's going to have to sit out. If he sits out and he doesn't show up, it's going to lose about $40 million. You can fine him. Um, 
that you can you can find them um $45,000 a day you can go after signing bonus money um you know it is you can do that i don't see him the money usually wins so i don't see him sitting out but that's what you can you can certainly do. You can go after money. Now, there's probably going to be a grievance, and it, so it really comes down to, and this is what it what always comes down to: does it fall into the category of the owner willing to live with the negativity associated with it, or just trade them? The one thing you want to do. And I, I'm not saying that the Texans are not sincere by saying this. You should take the stance as an administrator, as an NFL football administrator, that I'm not interested in trading the quarterback. No, I'm not interested. Because the minute you say I'm open to it, you lose some leverage. Basically, you've got a property. I don't mean literally, but this is a talent that's under contract that you've operated in good faith and you don't want to trade him. Somebody has to come and peel him away and make you an offer that you can't refuse, that you feel like it is too good to pass away. And there's a point where you might have to consider that but it's all relative to what is the player stance and the difficulty that you're going to have to deal with him and it being a whole negative situation. Let's remind everybody that they won four games with him last year. And if there's a culture problem and it becomes a bigger issue and as good a person as he appears to be and is, if he becomes a malcontent, it becomes a contentious issue, what does it mean for the team? How does it going to affect the whole morale of the team? Everybody being asked about Deshaun, you know where this is potentially going. And I think it's creating a negative spiral to where at some point the trade might be in order. Again, you don't admit to that. You don't um, succeed that that's a possibility. You just basically move on with your business. What would what would it take to do the deal? Well, again, it depends upon the suitor. Depends upon who the team is. Remember, um, you know, my theory, you know, what rankles me is just say, Oh, uh, you know, yeah, you, you give up, a, a, you know, three number ones. Who's number one? There's no such thing as a number one. It's first round pick. There are 32 first round pick. Which pick? So let's kind of get into it. So it would depend upon what team we're talking about. What it would cost would depend upon who's paying the price because everybody has, in terms of draft picks, a different draft pick value based upon that overall number. So rather than going through 20 scenarios of who might trade for him, what you would want, I think, the Texans would 
let's start here, would like to do a deal if they need to do it with a team that has a quarterback that they like. Because you're not only removing Deshaun Watson, if that's indeed what they decide to do, but now you're, you've got nothing. So you need to at least to be serviceable, decent, preferably a chance to be good. And then I think it would take um, a relatively high um, six picks. I think it would take six picks. It would take a one, two, and a three this year. And probably the same next year. Now, next year, you don't know where those picks are going to be. So you are trading it blind faith. Now, how do you judge that? You have to look at a next year's pick as kind of middle of the middle of the round because you don't know for certain who's going to be good or who's going to be bad. That first round pick may be better than you, th- first, second, or third round pick, let's say. That pick next year may be higher than you thought or lower than you thought you don't know you can kind of look at the team and kind of figure out what's it going to be but you're guessing you know what the picks are this year so look i mean um look if if you if you don't want to pay the player I mean, if, if if the guy doesn't want to show up, you don't pay the player, you go out to the signing bonus, you go out to the guaranteed money. How much are you willing to deal with the negativity of that, that fight and what it's going to mean? I, you know, in this situation, I don't know. I don't know what is the appetite for that. Um, here's the other thing. You hear this a lot. Oh, he has a no trade clause. No, no, no. Trust me. If you want to get traded, young man, I'm going to have to get the best deal possible. So, Chris, what do, would you do? First of all, it is, it's a little bit difficult because I don't have that relationship, which appears to be a very negative one with Deshaun. So I don't know how to fix the personality conflict when I'm not involved in it in the first place. Let's just assume that there's a problem. And I've exhausted my efforts to quell the problem. The way I'm dealing with it is having a conversation with them, explaining to them, this is why we want you here. This is what we're doing going forward. If he's not buying it, if there's a problem there that he can't get over and you got to make that move, you've got to say, we'll trade you. And we'll do the best we can to get you in a place that you like. However, you got to waive your no trade clause because I am not giving you away for less than market value. And look, it's your job to do what's best for the team. Trading the, the player to where he wants to go, if you can do it, fine. But that's not your deal. You've got to do what's best for your team. So what you have to do is you have to say, we got to start with the, uh, the concept of I'll sit there and I'll do the best thing I can for you, but I got to do what's best for the team. 
So here's the reality of the situation. You might want to go to a team that's picking in the high 20s. You know, I might I might not be able to do that if I've got a team that's picking in the top 10. You know, again, a team that's picking 25, a team that's picking five, the com- the the, the compensation is going to be different in terms of the amount of picks because of where those picks are. I got to do I got to get the best thing I can and I've got to fix our situation immediately and then long term. And if you say no, I got a no trace clause and I'm going to block everything unless it's to this. Well, then we're not going to do business. You can't, that's not operating in good faith. It's not going to work. And that's when it becomes really contentious and essentially miserable because at that point, you're not going to trade the player for nothing for less than market value, not nothing, less than market value. Gut your team and get the the player what he wants, and you don't get reasonable value in return, that, that just doesn't work. It does not work. So it's under contract. It's not like it's one year where he can work his way to free agency in a year. He is yours. He is going to want to show up because, remember, if he doesn't show up, he doesn't even get an accredited season. So he doesn't even get one year closer towards the end of his contract. He doesn't get paid. You can go after money. Look, players are rich. Owners are wealthy. Big difference. So I see this. I don't know where it's headed. I I would. I'm leaning towards, at least from the outside looking in, that it's becoming negative enough to where I would sense that probably I'm going to move him. But it has to be a deal that works. Or else, why would you do it? And, you know, I, I would, you would think that you could solve that problem, but they haven't yet. So I'm wondering what's going to happen to correct it. I, I don't know that they can. So what I would do and what they're able to do may be two different things. Obviously, to repair the situation, which maybe that's too far gone, and it probably is at this point. The second thing is you got to move and you got to move them with what you think is reasonable value. Um, where's a good fit? I have said the best fit for the Texans from the Texans viewpoint would be Miami or the Jets because Jets are picking two, Miami's picking three. Very impressive looking picks there. And I would think. Don't know how Nick Cesario sees it, but I would think that Sam Darno or Tua would be involved in that. I'd love if I were the Texans, if if he cannot, if that's not going to work and you've got to move on from him, getting multiple picks, five, six picks, and getting either one of those quarterbacks whoever wants to do the deal, that makes an awful lot of sense if you got to go down that path. Now, I don't know that I would do that deal if I were the Jets or Miami, but that would make a lot of sense. If you're dealing with a, well, you know, let's take a team that's, you know, uh, may not be able to give as much. I, I don't see how you do it. I mean, like people say, well, what about the Saints? What do they need? A qu- what do they got? 
they're losing players left and right because they've got to cut, get under the cap. They need more than anything else draft picks. They need cheap quality labor. I don't know that they're they're able to do a deal like that, and I don't think that gets you with the need. What do you want there? What are you going to get? I mean, do you do you like Jameis Winston? Do you do us? Do you do a sign and trade? Can you convince Winston to come over and be your quarterback as a free agent? And then what are you getting in terms of pick? Well, the Saints don't have a lot of picks. It doesn't really help you. It's it's not a good situation. Always try to do the deal from both sides. When I, every trade I made. I always try to put myself in the shoes of that one. I always get a kick out of this. Well, Chris, why don't uh, they trade this? Well, we'll give them this player (laughs) because you don't want the player. Yeah, listen, um, I'm going to leave my garbage out front and, you know, perhaps you can pick it up and give me a few bucks for doing it. No, nobody wants your trash, trash. Okay, I don't mean to classify players as trash. Nobody wants your problems nobody you know the player that you would be willing to move may not be the guy they they need to be getting something so you have to be in their shoes or else you're not going to be able to do deals and so doing deals are always an issue um i thought for fun what it would be as if you looked at a Russell Wilson and a Deshaun Watson type. Uh, you got problems in both with both guys at their places. Does it get better if you go? You know, how does the other feel about that? And people say, what Chicago? Chicago needs a quarterback. They're very much involved in it. Yeah, they are. What do they have to give? You know, you're, you're dealing with the 20th pick. You know, not a bad pick, but certainly not great. And they don't have a quarterback that can give you that you'd be excited about. So that's how I answered, you know, my answer to, you know, how I would handle that situation. Um, Somebody asked this question. uh, I wrote it down. Chris, if you were the Jaguars, would you trade the number one overall pick for Deshaun Watson instead of Trevor Lawrence? Well, yes, but you're not, you would, that, that would not be enough. The Jags would have to give up more picks They'd have to give up more than the one, the first pick. So the first pick the Texan could use conceivably to take Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville would have to give up more than that. So if you're Jacksonville and you try to build a team that doesn't have a very good roster, then are you going to want to give up maybe a two this year and a two next year, which are really high twos? Probably don't want to do that. Not if you're trying to build a team around the quarterback. Uh, straight up, well, of course. Well, Houston's not going to do it straight up. It's not doesn't make any sense. Um, so those are some some uh, some thoughts there. Let's get to some questions in the thread here. That some comments and questions that you guys have. Uh, Rich asked. You mentioned that you missed out on drafting Curtis Martin, but the following year you drafted a George. Uh, hadn't you drafted Curtis Martin? Will you still drafted Eddie George envisioning having a two good backs or another drafting? Um, well, it, it depends upon. I, I, I still might have taken. Yeah, I, I, it depends upon the circumstances of the team. The team's always different in a given year. So I can't answer that d- definitively. Um, but probably would have gone in a different direction. But in that draft, um, 
Eddie was a guy that I liked a lot. And, uh, you know, but if I, you know, it might have been different had it worked out. Had I taken Curtis Martin? Don't know. Um, Kev Belargo says, your thoughts on J.J. Watt to the Cardinals. Also, Saints releasing uh, Cook and Josh Hill and the Giants releasing Golden Tate. Okay. Um, Talked about J.J. Watt a couple of times. Um, Here's the issue with the J.J. Watt signing. Little pricey. Cardinals have been known to do this in the past. You play them opposite Chandler Jones. He's not going to see a lot of slide protection his way. Um, it's a good team. I, I didn't really see that as the team he would go to. I think there's some teams that are closer, but I think this they probably offered him a little bit more than some of those teams. I think the Cardinals are good. I don't know how close, but they're good. And um, I think he got a good contract. It's a, not a long contract. As I said before, he can be a productive player giving you 400 snaps a year, maybe 350, 400, not 600. A little bit pricey, and I don't know that it's the best win-now situation. I would have thought a Green Bay, um, maybe Tampa, if they don't get Shaq Barrett back. And I know that was that's a little bit of a timing issue. You don't know and what they can or can't do with Shaq Barrett. Um, but I might've waited out to see there. Um, you know, Buffalo, maybe, you know, he didn't want to be in, be there, but that that's a good team ready to win. I, I don't know. That was the best situation, but a good one, Arizona, fun place, lots of money. That's what he was thinking. Still in a good team and maybe could, could have a, a huge factor in there. Tony Finn, appreciate Tony. Good morning to you. Morning, Chris. One of your thoughts on the Browns' biggest offseason needs. Do you feel Kevin Stefanski uh, was a fluke? And can he have long-term success? Meaning, uh, will defense coordinators figure him out? Um, I think Kevin has done a really good job. I think... um, Look, I mean, there's always creative minds always have to adjust what people do with them. I think the the key is he's created a lot of stability. I think he's trying to create a successful run game in a defense. I think the key is not Kevin. I think the key is what can he get Baker Mayfield to do. And by that, continue to play smart football, protect the football. I think work the um, – <clears throat> the run game, um, build the defense. It goes into their needs. I think an edge rusher is something that I'd like to see them add. You can't have enough of those guys. I think a corner, I think an interior defensive lineman. Look, I'd like them to get a little bit younger at receiver. I don't know with Jarvis and Odell. I think another young guy. I think those are some areas that I think I would look at. And we'll see what they're able to do in free agency and and getting some of those key spots filled. And then certainly in the draft, you got to combine them. You always do. You always look at what do you have in free agency? um, And then what do you have in terms of the draft? And how do you compare guys? And how guys, where you may want to allocate money. Look, uh, this guy is greater value here, and we don't like the quality in the draft as much. So we may be going this position here. 
and we might do the reverse at another position. So I think the Browns are an improving team. I think we saw what they're able to do in the playoffs. I still think that, um, you know, I mean, the future is good. Um, you know, you look at the division. <clears throat> I mean, I still think the Steelers are good, and I still think they can put a really good team around Big Ben. The Steelers, bottom line, the Steelers' defense carry that team through most of the year. And when they got banged up, they couldn't do it, and they don't have enough of a running game. So I think the Steelers are still good, and I know it, it didn't work in the, in the playoffs for them, but you got to like the Browns' situation. Baltimore is good, but I just don't know how good of a passer Lamar Jackson will ever be. But you see them as a perennial playoff team. The Bengals have got a long way to go as a roster, need to keep Joe Burrow healthy. But if you look at the quarterback situation, um, the Steelers need to find their future. Lamar is more runner than passer at this point. Like Joe Burrow a lot. Baker is a guy that I like. I don't love yet. I want to see more consistency. So I think, I think they're right there. I think they're right in the mix. Um, and I think they got to put more pieces together. And I think the better they can play around Baker, like any quarterback, the better you can play around the quarterback to where you, the guy that will see Baker will force the ball. Other guys will say, you know what? I'll live and I'll punt, you know, I'm going to avoid a mistake. I'm going to check it down. Baker is more the guy that's going to be aggressive and turn it over, more likely turn it over. And that's what you don't want. So I think there's risk or reward there. Um, Jeff, morning, Jeff. Jeff said, Chris, what are you hearing about Drew Brees coming back to the Saints? And do they have a Brett Favre situation on their hands? No, I don't hear anything about Drew Brees coming back. Um, in fact, everything, every sign, every indication is that He's going to retire, will retire. I can't say for certain. I don't know. I haven't talked to Drew. Um, you know, I know that Sean has been kind of coy, but my indication from him is that he's not expecting. I, I don't No one expects him to come back. Now, could they make it work if he wants to? Uh, why hasn't he announced yet? I don't, I don't know that. Um, my guess is that um, he wants to make sure a hundred percent sure. Cause it's one of those deals where, you know, you have to see the Brad Favre situation. No, no, he's not coming back if he retires, which is, Maybe the reason why he's taken so long. I think there, there's a saying in coaching, and I remember uh, I got to know fairly well. Uh, remind me to tell you the story one point in time. Uh, but the late, great Dean Smith, basketball coach at North Carolina. And I know for years there was always the rumor about when he's going to retire. And this, I think, is applicable here. And Dean Smith always said that he never makes the decision at the end of the year. Because at the end of the year, at the end of a season, you're strained. And he, and he said he said for 15 years he wanted to retire a week, you know, up to a month after the season was over. 
But as it got closer towards the start of the next season, the juices begin to come back. So it's, I think sometimes what happens is players have one feeling at the end of the year. And it's usually because let me tell you a little story on Drew. Last year, he was going to retire. Uh, I know this, that after the season last year, it, he, he felt like he's going to, was going to retire as it got deeper and further removed from the season. He started to doubt leaving. See, here's the thing about leaving. It's tough. And I know guys, and you mentioned far, if he retires and come back, uh, you, you have some of those, but for the most part, when you retire, that's it. You're not coming back. Very rarely do you have the opportunity to come back. And it's so when you are done, you're done. I mean, it is a you're cho- closing off a chapter of your life that's a lot more. It's not as easy as people think, man, he's got all this money, a beautiful family. He's got a TV job. Of course, he's retiring. Th- that's easy to say. But when your life has been about. playing football and the thought that it's never going to happen again, I think what he's doing is just making sure that, you know, I don't think the itch to come back is there. At least I haven't gotten the indication that it is, but I think he's maybe wanting to make sure that it doesn't come back. I think he wants to make sure that he's sure if that makes any sense. That's my guess. I don't know. I don't know why the whole, he's trolling the media with the, the push in the sled and the parking lot, or, you know, I, I don't know what that means. It, it seems like a tease for all I know. Yeah. Maybe he says, let's do it one more year. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know that, that I believe that. And I don't know his situation with TV, with NBC, his agreement, if it's something they say, sure, you know, we'll wait another year or whatever. Cause I don't think he's, I think he's going to do like, I, I don't know what his assignment might be, but I think he's basically are going to be somebody that maybe they'll put him like on Notre Dame games and he'll be part of the Sunday night package, but they see him potentially growing into Chris Collinsworth spot, but that's not happening now anyway. So I think the future is probably going to be Tarico and breeze. That seems to be the, new Sunday night football down the road with Michaels and Collinsworth. I don't know how long they're, they're doing it. We'll do it, but, and it may be several years before Collinsworth. Maybe it'll, it'll be Collinsworth for another five, six years. So I don't know that, that that is a factor or maybe it is. I I, I really don't. So that doesn't answer your question. You want to know if he's coming back or not. I would say, I haven't heard anything that would indicate from things that really matter that he is coming back, but that doesn't mean that he's not. Um, what was your assessment of Frank Cush as a coach? Frank Cush was, first of all, a character. He was a guy of modern age. Frank Cush, for those of you who don't know, is a great coach at Arizona State. Known as a guy that was very tough. Some considered mean, aggressive, um, but really got a lot of his players. Uh, not a guy when he went in the NFL that related very well to pro players. Um, 
Tony says, does do GM and player ever sit down and talk about contract extension or is always through the agent? Um, it's through the agent. What you do with the player, Tony, is you sit there and tell them, you know, how much your player means to you, what your vision is, how you want them to be a part of the team, what we're doing as a team, what our goals are this offseason to make the team better, things like that. When you start talking money, that's in, in – this is assuming because there are a few players out there that don't have an agent. It's tough because here's what happens. And here's where I think dealing with a player is a little different. All right. So I'm just going to, we're not, not talking millions. I'm just throwing numbers. So this is what we're thinking. Well, we're thinking that, well, this is kind of where we see you. Well, so-and-so is making that. Well, then you're faced with telling the player, so and so is better than you. Well, then that that becomes, you know, what do you mean? It, you know, that that becomes almost offensive. You deal with that through the agent. Tell the agent, Mister Agent, he, he's not as good as this guy. Well, the agent won't tell the player that. The agent knows how to how to say, all right, look, let's work through this and that. When you when you're dealing with, it, it's kind of like. A lot of people don't so – a lot of people sell houses, their own houses. They do that. They save the real estate. But, you know, a lot of times the real estate agent is has something to do with you. go into the house and you say, man, I don't, I don't like how they got this. I want to change that. Well, if you're the homeowner, you may not want to tell the person that because they liked it that way because that's how they put it. And they may be a little bit of offended by it. That's why you're doing the real estate agent. The real estate agent's kind of the go-between where you have to share that information. They don't need to know all that. And what do you mean you're going to knock out the walls and you follow me? So it's more of that. The other thing is just the agent needs to be the guy that is up on contract language, up on getting the most out of the contract in terms of the paragraph five with, all right, look, we, we can't do this, but look, we can do this for you. And they have a little bit more creativity with the understanding of contract language than a player would. Kevin says, can you explain the dynamics of the Seahawks coaching staff or Pete Carroll's son's seen as legitimate or meritorious? Or is he seen as nepotism by the Seahawks players? I think it's seen as nepotism. Um, look, it's always difficult for a, young guy who gets in because of his dad because it's never going to be seen as something that he's earned. Look, um, Belichick's got two of his sons working for him. Now Belichick is known for give me a young guy that's hungry. I'm going to teach him how to do it. I don't care what you know. I'm going to tell you what you need to know. And so you think, oh, nobody's better. Well, it, it, it looks. And, um, Steve and Brian are, are, I think, real passionate about football. And I think this is not why 
the only reason why Bill's coaching, but I think one of the things Bill's trying to do right now, as he's getting ready to turn 70, um, is to get his son's coaching careers, you know, off and running. It does not mean that the, the son is not good or not capable. Um, in fact, it, it, it could be looked at as a negative and maybe unfair to that person because they may be very, very good. And if his name wasn't, you know, he'd probably be thought of as being good and maybe being considered for the job. But because his name, last name is such and such, he gets the job. There's no doubt about it. Um, look, I mean, I think Kyle Shanahan is a really good coach. Uh, there's no doubt that he got opportunities because of his last name. He didn't have to kind of work through the the ranks. Um, I, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. He did work through the ranks, but maybe not a different type of rank. So he worked through the NFL, which a lot of guys do. He was basically born into the NFL with his dad. But who did he learn a lot from? He learned from Gary Kubiak, who was one of uh, Mike's, well, players, backup quarterback and assistant coach. So Gary, you know, repaying the loyalty and knowing, you know, young Kyle gave him a chance. He's quality control. He's learning. Then he grows up and coaches a position and he becomes coordinator and he's off and running. You can't survive if you're not a really good coach, because eventually you kind of flame out. There's some guys that, you know, they get in because of their name and they don't make it. Steve Spurrier Jr. I, I shouldn't say that. That's that's ugly to say. Steve Spurrier Jr. has been around and and was given a job by Bob Stoop. I've already put my, my foot in my mouth, so no sense taking it out now. Um, Bob Stoops gave him a job and he's bounced around and he's still coaching, but he's – He's an example of a guy that's not, if his last name was um, Steve Jones, whatever, he wouldn't be, no, he, he wouldn't be coaching. But because, you know, so I, I think it depends situationally. And I know you didn't ask all that, but in the case of, you know, Brendan, I think has been around, but what I think is always valuable, and I'm curious to see what, Belichick does and and with Pete does is sometimes it's good to get them on track work for you and then send them off to where they can create their own identity I mean I thought Mike did with Kyle a great job I think that's what Pete and Bill are going to have to do with with their guys I mean I think I think you need to you need to get them to understand what the lifestyle is how to do it, how to be a coach. And then I think it's good to kind of let them go out of the nest and kind of make their own. But I think in the case of both of them, I think they want to make sure that they're trained the right way. And I, I think they only trust themselves to train them. But in the case of both Bill and Pete, those guys have – they have a lot of responsibility. I mean, Brian calls Brian basically calls the defense, which says a lot about him. But you know, Dad's overseeing it. Pete's kind of the same way, but Brendan's worked a lot on the offensive side. So, yeah, I, I, I think 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 there's a 
there's in some cases it's nepotism. And I don't know that the players respect it as much, but those are two successful coaches, particularly Belichick that maybe can get away with it while others can't. Jeff says, Chris, do you ever get a chance to work for the late Marty Schottenheimer? And do you think he makes a hall of fame? Yes, I have worked with Marty. Um, and no, Brian, speaking of sons, Brian is an example of a guy that <clears throat> I knew Brian since Brian, we got him a young, uh, uh, I got Brian a, a coaching job at Syracuse years ago. I mean, his dad was the main factor, but um, knowing uh, Paul Hescaloni and, and uh, he, he hired Brian, uh, Brian, Brian did a really good job. Brian was a really good coach and he's worked his way up and, and he's done a nice job and he gets criticized a little bit like any other coach, but he's done a good job. Marty was outstanding. I think Marty was, you know, thought of what well, he couldn't win the big one. Well, you know, uh, he had two teams in Cleveland back to back years where, you know, John Elway, was the nemesis because I thought Elway kind of pulled it out of the hat twice, but with with Kozar and that crew in Cleveland, I think that team in Cleveland had a better chance of winning Super Bowl than the Broncos team with Elway, but they, they couldn't get over the hump. A lot of it is that Marty being a defensive guy, run game guy that maybe they didn't, do as much, but man, they threw it and threw it well with, with Kozar. Um, he threw it with, when he got Montana in Kansas city, I, I think he's a hall of fame coach. So is Don Coriel. Yet we tend to glorify guys that win a super bowl. And quite frankly, they're not even a 10th of the coaches. Some of these guys now Coriel deserves to be in because he was innovative, brilliant coach. But Marty's teams, every team he went to, they got better. I mean, they got a lot better. I mean, he built teams that were playoff caliber. Didn't have great success with Snyder and Washington. But, I mean, the Chargers. I mean, the Chiefs. The Browns. The guy won everywhere he was at. He he elevated. His teams were fundamentally sound. And I think, personally, when I watched his teams, what I saw was a team that you could get close. He got close to maximum out of his team is just about anybody. So his teams would win 13, 14 games a year because they never had like really down points. He could get guys ready to go in whatever game he could win. So the expectation was get there. Well, I thought, he took teams that maybe were 12 win teams and he'd win 14 games and they just didn't have the quarterback play in most cases to win. Now, Kozar was good, but Elway was just better. And I thought it was the opposite. Like in Denver, I don't think the teams were as good. And I think Elway kind of carried some teams that maybe were like eight and eight, nine and seven type teams. And they won 12 games because of Elway. And I thought in the playoffs, the quarterback play just kind of got them over the top. I thought Marty was outstanding everywhere he's been. Um, yeah, did a great job. I think he does belong there. 
Um, and then Rich goes, well, your scouting evaluation of Alan Fanica. Well, I knew Alan very, very well. Alan was a great run blocker. Um, he developed into a pretty good pass protector in the league, um, but really good run blocker. One of Donardo's recruits there. Texas kid did a really good job. And Junior say out of USC. Well, Junior was a great talent, highly recruited, um, very athletic, did a lot of freelancing, made a lot of big plays. Um, he made plays in space. He blitzed off the edge. He did a really good job. Um, uh, you know, I thought he freelanced a lot. I thought fundamentally reads and keys, you know, what he did was he attacked. He was aggressive. I don't think he was overly, you know, dominant, uh, in terms of being able to key and diagnose, but boy, he could feel hard, fast, explosive, big and strong, uh, really, really great player. Um, all right. We, uh, want to get into one more thing before I head out. There is some discussions about where things are headed towards the Kansas. Who was it? The, it wasn't the chiefs is the Buffalo bills. Well, first of all, we don't have our normal meetings at the combine this year, since we don't have the combine. So we had a meeting that came out that was virtual about how to deal with coaching hiring cycle in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills have put a proposal together that says no coach can be hired until the entire football season is over. So if you lose and you're done and you Typical Black Monday on the first week of January. You can't hire your coach officially until February, whatever, after the Super Bowl is over. Um, I see the point. I see the value. I see that um, the concept and the genesis behind the idea is that maybe you can get some of these guys that were great in the playoffs Maybe it helps an Eric Bieniemy get a job. Maybe it helps a Robert Sala get a job last year instead of this year. I mean, I think Robert Sala got a job this year over, say, Eric Bieniemy because he got – well, he wasn't in the playoffs. So he was freed up to hire. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I understand the concept. The problem is you would have to have teeth into the, the rule because here's what would happen. You would have under the table deals being done. So I'm going to hire you, get a deal. We put a staff together and, and that stuff would begin to get out and you would kind of know, <clears throat> Hey, look, Jacksonville's going to do this. He's going to be their head coach. He, so he's going to bring in his staff, yada, 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 whatever. What are you going to do? You're going to find them draft picks and you know i mean can you if you have a verbal agreement and and you kind of have a handshake deal and you make it done officially can you prove it and if you and if you feel like it's being done are you going to have teeth to the rule because if you don't they're gonna they're gonna take advantage of it and they're gonna they're gonna do deals because i think there is competition um to, to put together staff. I think that can be overblown, but I think that's, that's still pretty big. 
So I don't know that I agree with the rule. The concept in general is pretty good, but the rule is only as good as you're able to enforce it and a willingness to enforce it. And the willingness to make it punitive, if you can uncover that somebody did the deal. I mean, I, I think those things are important, but it's something we got to work through. I think it is something we need to look at. I do think it's the irony of all ironies that the guys that tend to do the best job most recently are the ones that are handicapped the most in getting a job because they're with the team longer. I think we need to create more opportunities. And, and look, I can't blame an owner for not wanting to hire a guy just off of a Zoom meeting. I think he's going to want to sit down face-to-face, have dinner with him, and make sure that this is the guy that we're going to work together with. This year's current environment, the COVID environment, is different. We're not going to have that universally, consistently. But I think in normal years, there's a huge gap. Can you imagine waiting a whole month to six weeks before you can even do that? I, I think it's the one thing you have an advantage. If you're a bad team, you find your guy. You want to move on. You put your staff together. Um, it, it does give you an advantage of putting that staff together, and they can begin working. But could you do some of that? I want to hire the guy. It's January 10th. I'm going to hire him, but I can't hire him till February 10th. I do a handshake deal. He gets the film. He begins to put the staff together. Well, then all of a sudden, it's going to leak out. It's going to leak out that so-and-so is going to join so-and-so staff there. And then how are you going to deal with it? Just to me, I think you got to work through that, which I always look at how our rules going to be circumvented when we put together rules. All right. That's a wrap for today. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us, Rich and Jeff and Kev and Tony and um, all of you. Spread the word about what we're doing at LandryFootball.com. Uh, check out all the latest. Again, free agent boards, the overall position boards in the NFL. Draft boards are coming up. The team-by-team analysis. We got it all for you, so check it out at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the scouting season offer. Uh, And we're looking at, again, an exclusive membership to the War Room. We're working on some things there that might be of interest to those of you out there. So uh, stay tuned for that. Stay tuned next week as we bring you another edition of the Landry Football Podcast, part of Radio Influence. Um, We'll be tackling the topics of the day and certainly taking your questions um, throughout the show. Appreciate you joining us. Talk to you next week, everybody. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. 
So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.